0: Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with Endtime Ministries. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition of the End Time Show. Wow, I am so excited to come to you today from Israel. We've had 83 people join us on the trip, and wow, what a trip it has been. We started out at the Mount of Olives. We went down through the Kidron Valley. We saw the Eastern Gate. We saw the Garden of Gethsemane. And down in the Kidron Valley... There's the Jehoshaphat's tomb. He is prophesied about the Battle of Armageddon. That's where the battle is going to culminate, right there in the Kidron Valley, between the Temple Mount and the Mount of Olives. So Jehoshaphat's tomb is down there, Absalom's tomb's down there. And tomb is down there, and Zechariah's tomb is down there. Zechariah chapter 12, 13, and 14 is devoted to the Battle of Armageddon. So these guys are down there waiting on their prophecy to be fulfilled. And it's going to be pretty awesome because that's the time when those graves will burst open and the Bible says that the those that have went on in the grave, they're going to go first. And then we who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet them in the air. So what a day that will be. And what a trip this has been. Uh, and we've had great weather. We've done a lot of different things. And we, you've only just begun the trip, everybody, because there's so much more to see. And so thank you for joining us. And for all of you that want to join us in the future, we've got another trip planned for October. We've already got people signed up to go on that one. And we've got another trip planned for next May. And so if you'd like to join us on that one, call in and talk to my wife, Jana Robbins, or Brittany Motes, and they can get you signed up for one of those trips. So God bless you all. And what we're going to do today is we're going to do, normally on Fridays we'll do a Q&A session, but we're going to do a Q&A session here today uh, with everybody who is with several people that are traveling with us. And they've got some great questions lined up. And so without further ado, let's get off into some questions here because it's great to have Q and A's because a lot of times somebody may ask a question you never thought to ask. And it's a great way to learn. And uh, I always learn great by asking questions. I don't understand this, what does this mean? And um, so it's, a, it's been a great way for me to learn and I know you guys do as well. So a lot of times I've taught hundreds of Bible studies And a lot of times, when when by showing uh, Urban Baxter's DVDs and different things, a lot of time the Bible study starts when you shut the DVD off, and people start asking questions. Well, I don't understand this. How does this verse apply? And so um, that's what we're going to do here today. I've got a lot of people lined up here on the front row that's going to ask some great questions. So we're going to start off right up here in the front. He's going to introduce himself and then ask the question, and then uh, that'll be the program today. So here we go. Go ahead. Hey, thanks, Dave. My name is Michel Danny from Hawaii. And the question I have is uh, I used to be part of a church that used to believe that uh, we would be protected from the great tribulation uh, in the site of Petra. Sure. So uh, what's your thoughts on that and and why Petra would be or would not be a good site for protection? Okay. So I do know that a lot of uh, people teach that <clears throat> When the Great Tribulation starts, which we know that Daniel's 70th week, there, and most prophecy teachers would agree that there is a final seven-year period called Daniel's 70th week. Now, Daniel's 70 weeks, the entire prophecy is Daniel chapter 9, verse 24 through 27, but Daniel 9, 27 prophesied of a final seven-year period. There will be a final three and a one-half year. Halfway through that is when the Great Tribulation starts. So the Great Tribulation is going to be three and one-half years. And your question was, concerning the people of Petra, or the people of the West Bank, Judea, will they escape? Because a lot of people say that when the Great Tribulation starts, that they will escape down into Petra. Petra is an old, kind of like a a fortress-type situation that people could defend thousands of years ago. It was easy, because the valley that goes them with that, the path you have to walk to get down to Petra, it, it, the, the walls are like 100 feet high and sometimes they're wide enough to where you can almost touch both hands when you walk down through there. So it was easily defended because people could get up on top and have stacks of rocks and if an army could thin down enough to where it was almost single file, they'd just start throwing rocks down there and it was easily defended. But with modern day warfare implements, it would be a death trap. One bomb blows the whole place up. And... You can only fit, when you get down there in the place that's down in the very bottom, the church and everything that's down there, the building would only hold about 800 people. So for the 850,000 Jews that are out here in the West Bank to go down there for protection when the Great Tribulation starts, that's simply not the case. Also, there's a prophecy in Zechariah chapter 14. Zechariah 14 is prophesying about this time right here. And it says that um, Judah will also fight at Jerusalem at the time of the Battle of Armageddon. So we know where's Judah going to be. Well, the Bible tells us. They're going to be here in Israel proper. And when I say Israel proper, uh, for those of you that have not attended the group with us, um, in, in the 1967 Six Days War, the area that Israel conquered and drove Jordan back across the Jordan River to the current borders of Israel, that is the current West Bank or biblical Judea and Samaria. So they push them back well pre-67 borders would be Israel proper and the West Bank that is the one that is disputed territory Israel does not occupy that like you hear in the news all the time it's disputed territory that's actually Israel's territory and they were just taking that back after the Six Days War uh, in 1967 but the international community of course has their own spin on that so what's going to happen is is when the Great Tribulation starts you know that End Time Ministries has the door knocking campaign. Prior to that, we're going to send magazines in there. We're going to do a lot of things to try to get people out of there uh, prior to that. But the great tribulation is going to start. And a lot of Jesus warned them in Matthew 24. When you see the abomination of desolation occur, when the Antichrist stands in that rebuilt Jewish temple claiming to be God, let them which be in Judea flee. Well, Judea is the from 1967 orders to today and the West Bank region out there. So they're going to flee into what we call Israel proper. And that the Bible says that's where they're going to be. They're going to be fighting at Jerusalem. How do I know that's going to be Israel proper? Because the Bible says Jerusalem will be under the control of Israel all the way to the very end. The Bible says in Zechariah 14 right here um, earlier on in this chapter that Zechariah 14, 2, For I will gather all nations to Jerusalem at the battle of Armageddon, and the city shall be taken, and half the half and the house is rifled, the women shall be ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity. So Israel has had control of the entire city of Jerusalem all the way up to the Battle of Armageddon, and then when the Battle of Armageddon culminates right here in the Kidron Valley, half of the city will be taken. The Bible says Judah, the people out there in the West Bank, that they will be fighting here at the Battle of Armageddon and not hiding away down in Petra, which is in southern Jordan. Okay? Okay. Now, there may be some follow-up questions that we'll try to get back to, but to keep everything moving here, cause I know we're gonna come up here in a break in just a moment. And um, so I don't want to I don't want to cut your question in half, but we've got another, we've got a whole um, group of people here uh, with us and we're gonna get to a lot more questions. And so I, I can tell we've got a break coming up here. And so I wanna thank y'all for joining us today. And uh, when we get back, we'll jump right back into the questions and uh, see if we can't wrap the show up with these because it's a great way to learn, everybody. And thank you for joining us. Hopefully you can join us on a trip in the near future. And pray for us while we're here for a safe trip and that lives will be changed. They that understand what is taking place will instruct many. Except a man is born again. He can enter or see the kingdom of God. understand how you fit in, and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to intime.com slash future or call 800 end That's 800-363-8463. What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the End Time show's TV and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning end time prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com slash advance to see when Dave will be in a location near you. Welcome back, everybody. Now, we're, we've got a very special program today. We, we are in in our Jerusalem Prophecy College in downtown Jerusalem. We're in the Cloud Building uh, at 97 Jaffa Street, and we brought 83 people with us. We're having a great tour. Uh, God is really blessing the tour, and there's so much more to come. We usually start our tours out in Jerusalem and end up in Tiberias. Jerusalem is hustle and bustle, and it's just there's traffic everywhere everywhere. But everything slows down, and it gets more in vacation mode as we go north. That's going to happen Wednesday, so give everybody a little hope here. It's not going to be like this the whole trip. We're going to end up in a very more relaxed situation once Wednesday gets here. But for today's program, we've gathered in the Jerusalem Prophecy College, and we've got a lot of our people that have made the journey with us, a lot of very faithful partners and friends and people that are prayer partners uh, that have joined us and we've gathered here in the college to have a QA and a session. I know we do our Q&A sessions many times. We'll do a full Q&A session on Fridays, open line, and uh, we'll do them sometimes through the week. Doug and Vince do them a lot. And so we've got a lot of people gathered here to ask some great questions, and we're gonna get right back into the questions. We're gonna get as many as we can done by the end of the program. So I have a great friend, uh, Cassandra York. She's joined us here, her and her husband, Chuck. And so, um, Cassandra, you're next.
2: Hi, Dave.
1: Can you give or prove one or two signs of the end
0: time? Okay. So can I prove that we're in the end time? Cassandra and I had a conversation about this on the bus uh, this afternoon, and I told her, I said, that's a great question, because I could go the rest of the hour just on that one question. Signs that we're in the end time. But some recognizable things that would let us know. Number one. The Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 37, Ezekiel's boneyard, that Ezekiel would be gathered back together out of the graves of a particular situation, gathered back together as a nation. And that has actually happened. We believe, Urban Baxter, before me and myself and Doug and Vince and all of us, we believe that Ezekiel's boneyard, he was actually seeing the Holocaust. Now, we went to the Yad Vashem, the Holocaust Museum, this afternoon in Israel. And it's, it is ex- absolutely horrific what happened to the Jews in the Holocaust. Hitler called it the final solution and they were just... It was horrific. I don't even really like to go through there. If you've never been to a Holocaust museum, because there are a lot of Holocaust deniers out there. What a travesty. If you've never been to a Holocaust museum, you need to know about that. People need to understand what these people went through. It was horrific. and But... Israel, we believe that that's in Ezekiel 37. God led Ezekiel and said, "Look, I want you to prophesy to these bones." Ezekiel, do you think these bones could live? And Ezekiel says, "I don't know. Thou knowest." And God said, "Prophesy to them." And he starts bringing bone upon bone, leg bone to hip bone. They come back together, and they, the their sinew started to come on the bone and muscle on the sinew, and then skin. And God breathed the breath of life back into them. And he says in Ezekiel 37, "This is the whole house of Israel." I'm gonna bring them all back together from the four winds, from the, from the north, south, east and west. I'm gonna bring them back together. Well, it's a prophecy of the rebirth of the nation of Israel. And it's one of the most recognizable prophecies in the last 2000 years. We are standing here as a fulfillment of Bible prophecy. The, the modern day nation of Israel. They went into exile back in 70 AD when Jerusalem was destroyed, the Temple Mount was the temple was burnt down, and they pitched off There was not one stone left on another. And they were in an eighteen hundred and seventy-eight year exile, all the way to May Fourteenth, nineteen forty-eight. But God started bringing them back, and Jews actually started coming back prior to that, with the help of the Jewish Agency, where we were at today. And I will tell you, when if you ever come to a tour with us, um, they, Devorah, who is our liaison with the Jewish Agency who helps Jews from all over the world make Ali out back to Israel, they placed a plaque to my father-in-law. It's the only plaque of, of a Christian uh, dedicated to helping the Jewish people in the Jewish agency. It's devoted to my father-in-law, Urban Baxter. It's in Deborah's office, and uh, we were so happy to see that um, today. But Israel coming back together, it's one of the ways we can absolutely prove it. It was supposed to happen just prior to the coming of Messiah, and... It has already occurred back in May 14, 1948. Another proof that I have that we are in the end time. The Bible says in Daniel chapter 7 that there were four beasts, a lion with eagle's wings, a bear, a four-headed leopard, and a ten-horned beast. And that in Daniel chapter 7, verse 17 and 23, that these beasts symbolized kingdoms or nation and the ruler of those kingdoms or nation. And it also tells us in Daniel 7 These nations would be on the earth at the time of the second coming of... or at the time of when the Messiah would come to establish his kingdom here on the earth. Now, we know that to be uh, Jesus Christ. Okay, so 650 years later, so these beasts symbolize nations or kingdoms, and the leaders of their nations, and they would be here at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Daniel wrote that while he was down in Babylonian captivity. Well, if you jump forward 650 years to Revelation chapter 13... John writes a prophecy that God gave him about Satan's empire in the end time, Satan's master plan to rule the world. And he says that he gave a depiction of the same beasts, but they weren't four separate beasts. They were, it was a combo beast, one big beast that had federalized together into a world-governing body. The Bible says the whole world would follow after this beast. And it said they had the body of the leopard, which is symbolizing Germany. The feet of the bear, Russia, the mouth of the lion, Great Britain, and the ten horns of the ten horn kingdom, which is the current European Union or the reborn Holy Roman Empire. This would be, and they're all European nations. That's very, very important. Russia is going to be in cahoots with Europe in the end, not fighting against them. I know that looks impossible right now, but the Bible's very clear when it says that. Russia will be in with Europe. Russia, west of the Ural Mountains, is considered Europe. And east is Asia. And so Russia will be there with the European Union in the end time. And so it's a federalization of nations. It's a prophecy of a world governing body that will be led by the Antichrist. And the Bible says this entity in Revelation 17 will fight against the lamb when he comes back uh, to conquer Israel at the battle of Armageddon. It's gonna be the second coming of Jesus Christ. The armies of heaven will be with him. The Bible says this world government that's established will be in power at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. That world government has been established. It's been established for decades now. The United Nations is the seat of that world governing body. It was established after World War II in 1945, and the Bible also that it prophesies that it will be a socialistic one world governing body. The Bible says it will be red. In other prophecies it tells us red is the symbol of socialism or communism in the end time. The spirit or ideology that will go into the earth controlling the ideologies of mankind. Communism. Well, the United Nations has been socialistic from its inception. The man that was over the, the architect of the United Nations Charter in 1945, three years later after he was the architect of the Charter, he was convicted in American courts, for perjury, for lying about being a communist spy who was working at, on, on, he was on the hip of Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who was a globalist by himself, but he was, uh, there was a communist spy undercover working with him in most of the negotiations right there during World War II and after World War II, and so it, he created the United Nations to be a socialistic or communistic one world governing body. So from its inception, all of the secretary generals have been on board with this. The current secretary general is Antonio Guterres, who was the president of the Socialist International from 95 to 99. And he was approved by President Obama in the United States to be um, a the, lead, the secretary general of the United Nations, totally a socialist. As social, he was the number one socialist on the planet at, at that point. He was the leader of the Socialist International. So that the United Nations has been socialist from the get-go. So that's the seat of world government on the earth. There are many ways to prove that. I'm not gonna take time to do all of that because I wanna get some more questions, but there's the, the the United Nations is designed to govern the planet, a world governing body. There are tentacles of that. The World Trade Organization, the World Health Organization, the International Monetary Fund, the International Criminal Court. What are all those entities designed to do? They're designed to govern the world. The United States has our own government. Israel has its own government, Russia, China, but these entities are designed the International Criminal Court. They're designed to run the world. It's a world governing body. And this is prophesied to be in power at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. So the nation of Israel coming back together. That's one way we know we're at the end of the age. The world government being established, of course I could go on, I could give many proofs. The world religion, the, that's being established, all the interfaith and ecumenical movements, gathering all the religions of the world together, getting them to support the world governing body. The global numbering system, there are many efforts to number every single person on the planet. ID-2020 is an effort by the United Nations to number every single person on the planet. ID-40 by the World Bank to number every single person. It doesn't matter if they live in a dirt hut in middle Africa somewhere they're trying to number every single one of them some of them people come in for a bowl of rice every day and yet they will not let them get any government subsidies no medicine things they need for their children unless they have a national ID card some of them are coming in out of the brush to get that but yet no unless you've got that number so the Bible says in Revelation 13 16 through 18 the anti-crush will give everybody a mark on their right-hander in their forehead. They're not going to be able to buy or sell. These systems are all being set up. And we might get into the central bank digital currency discussion here in a little bit, maybe if somebody asks a question about that. But the central bank digital currency is one of the leading things that I see leading us into the market of the beast system. It's controlling people, what they can buy or sell, their bank accounts. That's why they're trying to move us off of cash into a complete digital society. So there are many other things. A great question, uh, Cassandra, a great friend of ours, but um, Israel coming back together as a nation, world government, world religion, and the efforts to number every single person on the earth, these are supposed to be happening right here in the end of the age, just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. So, um, where are we at time? Okay, next question.
2: Anna from Leander, Texas, and can you briefly explain what the three ribs in the bear's mouth
0: represent? Sure. So the Bible says in Daniel chapter 7 that, uh, that so we, I mentioned it earlier, there were four, Daniel saw four beasts, a lion with eagle's wings, a bear, a four-headed leopard, and a ten-horned beast, which is the current European Union or the reborn Holy Roman Empire. Just quickly, the nation uh, that's symbolized by Great Britain, or I'll I, okay, I give you the answer. The nation symbolized by the lion is Great Britain. Daniel said, I beheld till that it had eagle's wings on the back of it. I beheld till the eagle's wings were plucked and made stand upon a feet as a man and a man's heart was given to it. So what nation, I've had many people say, well the United Nations is not even, or the United States is not even mentioned in the Bible. Well you tell me another nation that came out of Great Britain that has a symbol of an eagle. Anybody? It's the United States, guys. I mean, come on. And so, Daniel saw the lion, uh, the Great Britain. He saw the United States. The next one was a bear. There are... If you go to Google News and type in Russian bear, there are literally hundreds and hundreds of articles proving this. You can go to dictionaries, encyclopedias. They will all tell you Russia is symbolized by the Russian bear. You can go to old satire cartoons all the way back in World War One, and they would have... Uh, a lion standing there sorry you would have a lion standing there um that had a great britain flag draped around him and he would be looking over europe pensively over world war one what are we going to do here they would have a bear in a russian uniform and they would have an eagle with an american flag wrapped around him and they're all looking over europe how are we going to handle this situation the old satire cartoons knew exactly what God, they used God's symbols he could probably sue them for copyright
2: <laughs>
0: because they used what he said back in Daniel chapter 7, God revealed this to Daniel so um, what part of the and then the, the uh, leopard is Germany and of course the ten horn beast is the current European Union the Bible says in Daniel chapter 7 that the bear would rise up and on one side and he would have three ribs in, a, in the mouth between the teeth, between his teeth Three ribs, what do the three ribs symbolize? Well, at this point, I can only speculate. Uh, This would be, let's say, educated speculation. Um, There are three, there are, actually, there's two scenarios here I can give you. The disputes, the land disputes between China and Russia over the years have been Manchuria, Mongolia, and Xinjiang. They, everyone says, hey, this is a geopolitical situation. there are land disputes and not, it should be China's. No, it should be Russia's. It's the same thing going on with Ukraine, but it was between Russia and China. Manchuria, Mongolia, Sinkaiang. Those could be bones of contention between Russia and China or could symbolize the three ribs. Again, I'm speculating here. Also the Baltic nations, um, Lithuania, Latvia and Estonia. Those, I actually have articles that say those are bones of, just like Ukraine is a bone of contention with Russia, those three nations, the Baltic nations, I've got articles that actually say those are bones of contention between Russia and the European Union. And you kind of get the gist of what's going on here with the Ukrainian situation, if you've studied that at all. Well, they want to not only take back Ukraine, they want to take back the Baltic nations and much more of Eastern Europe. And so... With um, So to answer your question, again, this is purely speculation, but the two one of those two scenarios is what I believe is probably the, the, the ribs or the bones of contention between other nations. Now, that's going to be one of the prophecies that we'll probably have to live through to where we can look back and say, okay, that was the bones of contention. That was the three ribs. Uh, there have been many prophecies we've had to do that for. There's no way that we could have understood the fifth trumpet with Iraq, with the Iraq war with Saddam Hussein, until we lived through that. There's no way. There's no way we could have known that they have a king over them by the name of Saddam, which was the destroyer. So the ribs in the mouth of the bear, we're probably gonna have to live through that to look back and say, okay, that's what it was. At this point, I can only speculate. God bless everybody. We'll be back to Q and A right after the break. And looking forward to a great trip in Israel for the next few days.
1: Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you, and we love you.
0: Right back. Welcome back, everybody. And for those of you that are just joining us, I know some join us right there at the bottom of the hour. We are in Israel. We're on our tour, our spring tour, and we've had 83 people journey with us to the Holy Land, and what a trip it has been. Everybody's been just wonderful, and I'm so thankful for that. It it makes the trip a lot easier when everything just gets settled in and just everybody goes with the flow, and it's great. Uh, We've had a few hiccups, and everybody just says, cool, let's just keep on rolling here, and it makes for a wonderful tour. So thank you, everybody, that has come with us. It's been great. And uh, we're doing a a live Q&A here. And so we've got a lot of people that have a lot of great questions. All the questions so far have been wonderful. If you have not had a chance to go back and view the first half hour, please do that. You can go to end of the H+, you can go to endtime.com. There are many ways to do that, to watch archived programs along with this program. So we want to kind of draw you into our end-time world if you're a first-time listener. I know people all over the world will view this. And if you have any questions at all, You can either call 1-800-END-TIME, 1-800-363-8463, or you can email Doug Norvell at dnorvell at endtime.com, or email Dave Robbins at drobbins at endtime.com. We'll answer all your questions. If you're needing help finding a good (coughs) Bible-believing, bible teaching church in your area, contact one of us. We have sent thousands, literally thousands of people uh to churches all over the world we've got a hold of missionaries i've got contacts all over the place to help you find a great bible believing bible teaching church because what are we doing we're in the end times and we are preparing people jesus christ is coming back before very long and you've got to be prepared for that you do not want to be unprepared when we hear the trumpet sound that what a travesty that would be so we want to make sure that everybody is prepared for that how do we do that we teach the gospel of the kingdom of god jesus's message when he was here on the earth he taught the gospel of the kingdom of god then he told his disciples now you guys go teach the same message what they teach the gospel of the kingdom of god so any god called man or woman in 2023 guess what their message is going to be the gospel of the kingdom of god the gospel works it's the only thing will that will work jesus said in uh john 3 he told nicodemus except a man's born again he can't enter or see the kingdom of god We've got to teach the gospel of the kingdom of God. And end times mission statement is teaching the gospel of the kingdom of God to every person on earth because the end time is now. So without further ado, we're going to get back into our Q&A session. I've got a great friend friend of mine. His name is Bill Herity. Uh, many of you will remember uh, Bill and Melissa joined us on the tour, great friend of ours. And many of you will remember a few years ago, prior to the passing of my father-in-law, Urban Baxter, that we were in a film called Trump 2024. And what it was supposed to be is, we I was fairly convinced Trump was going to win the election again. And the, the movie was about wh- what it would be like post-Trump 2024. We'd move into a world government, a lot of different things would happen. And my friend Bill Harity was the producer of that movie, Trump 2024. He came on the trip with us this time. And so um, he's the next one on... Uh, in the slot here. So, Bill, what's your question? So, Dave, you have this um, door-knocking campaign to warn the settlers in the West Bank of the coming Holocaust. Have you considered that the mark of the beast might happen before that time, so you might be saving them physically, but not eternally? Yeah. So uh, that's a fabulous question. Now, so I'll give you this scenario here. The the final seven years I talked about earlier, the Antichrist will be involved in getting the peace agreement signed at the beginning of that final seven years, but he's not going to be revealed until the abomination of desolation occurs three and a half years later. He will be involved in that, but you can imagine, if there's a peace agreement signed right now between Israelis and the Palestinians, there will be hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of politicians from all over Europe, from the international community, that are gonna be involved in getting that thing across the finish line. The Antichrist will be one of those individuals. But the Bible specifically tells us in Second Thessalonians chapter two, that he is revealed when he stands in that rebuilt Jewish temple and proclaims to be God. That's at the three and a half year mark of the final seven years. The, the mark of the beast cannot be doled out until the Antichrist comes into power and he is revealed. So the mark of the beast will not be doled out until during the tribulation, which is the final three and one half years. You can't have the mark of the beast until you have the beast, right? Because what are the two things about taking the mark of the beast? What is that? Paul says he's going to give everybody a mark in their right hand or in their forehead, and without that, you're not going to be able to buy or sell. It's going to all be about a pledge of allegiance, thereby worshiping the Antichrist. If you go through Revelation chapter 13, the word worship, or worshiped is mentioned there five times. So the the entire goal of the Antichrist, which most likely will be inhabited by Satan himself, will be to get the world body to worship him. Do you remember when uh, Satan tempted Jesus? What was he trying to get him to do? To worship him. Jesus, all these nations of the world are mine to give, and I will give them to you if you will but do what? Worship me. So that's the goal of Satan. He wants all of us to worship him instead of worshiping God. Why? Number one, he's uh, not so nice of an individual, and he wants to see you in him. And he knows that if he can get you to worship him, that would be the worst case of idolatry there ever was. And the Bible says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and him only shalt thou serve. I've got to serve God Almighty. I've got to serve the one true God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I can't worship anything else but Him. And I'm bound by the Bible to do that. Plus, I love Him. I fell in love with Jesus a long time ago. And so I worship Him and Him only, period. I worship God. Well, so to your question, when we have the, in the the door knocking campaigns, when the final seven years starts, We're going to send a magazine to every home in Israel, warning them about what's coming. I told the the tour group today when we went to the Jewish center, the Jewish agency, that prior to World War II, there were runners that went in to tell them, hey, we understand what the aspirations of Hitler is going to be. They're making speeches and things, but he really hadn't come into power. But they understood what his aspirations were. And they went in to the Jewish communities, and they said, you guys are going to have to flee. It's going to get very bad here before very long. And a lot of them had, uh, a lot of them had uh, peop- uh, children in college. They had kids in fine schools. They, the Jews had businesses, and they said, "Look, that's not going to happen. Uh, we we have a good working relationship with the Europeans here. Where we've got businesses here, everything's going to be fine." Well, the problem mm-hmm. is when Hitler came into power, when he fully came into power, and he started crystal and some of these other things where they started blacking out. They wouldn't let Jews even go into their own businesses and they busted all their windows out. It was a horrible situation. The Jews contacted the runners. This is in the book Exodus, you can read it. The Jews contacted the runners and said, get us out. It's getting bad. And the runners, one of the runners slammed his fist on the desk and said, we tried to get you out, but you would not leave. Now it's too late. Now we can't get you out. And of course, you understand, uh, We again, we went to the Yad Vashem. We understand the results of what happened to that. Uh, Hitler horribly killed millions of people in the worst way possible. And so um, that's what happened. And But what we're going to do in the final seven years, we're going to send a magazine warning them what's coming. Why? Because Jesus said, when you see the abomination of desolation occur, let them which be in Judea flee. This is Matthew 24, starting with verse 15. Why do they need to flee? Because Jesus said in verse 21, then will be the greatest time of persecution the world has ever known or ever will know. There's gonna be another Jewish Holocaust that's coming. Many people believe that. And I believe it. I scriptural. And so we want who's gonna warn them? Who's gonna warn these people that there's another Jewish Holocaust coming? And the Bible says that Israel proper will be protected, but Jesus specifically warned the people living out here in modern day Judea, which is coined the term what well, they coined the term the West Bank region. I say Judea. That's scriptural. You listen to Netanyahu give a speech. He'll say Judea. And so who's going to warn those? Well, when the final seven years starts, we're going to send a magazine to every home in Israel. And then three years in, we're going to do the door knocking campaign. Will we be able to keep all of them from taking the mark of the beast? Probably not. Some of them will think we're just clowns and they're never going to leave. But for those, some of them will leave. We we already sent a magazine to every home in Israel back in 98 as a trial run. My father-in-law was trying to get people prepared for what was coming. So I wrote a full magazine. I have access to the magazine that was shipped in 98. As a result of that, we had rabbis and different people saying, leave us alone. Slamming the phone down. <laughs> and then we had other people that called my father-in-law and said, the rabbis are getting us to try to stay out here, but we believe what you're saying. And they have already moved into Israel proper." And so... Um, we are going to warn them three years in. And so will we, will we be able to keep some of them from getting the mark of the beast and different things? No, we won't. The Bible says everyone whose name is not written in the lens book of life will take the mark of the beast. And so we, the only thing that we can do as a an organization is to try to get as many people as will listen. That's the only thing we can do. If somebody has just eaten Thanksgiving dinner and they're not hungry – It's hard to get them to eat even a bite of their favorite pie, right? They're not hungry. But if somebody is hungry, you can give them um, stale water or you can give them something that doesn't taste very good, something you wouldn't eat normally. But I don't care if it's got a little bit of, 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 uh, you know, uh, some green on it. I'll I'll scrape that off the top and I'll eat because I am hungry. Give it to me. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Well, guess what? We're looking for the hungry ones. That's who we're looking for. And so in all your efforts to win souls and to help people in the end time, you're looking for hungry people. Some people will shun you. I understand that. But the ones that are hungry and sincere, they're going to say, tell me, I want to know what the Bible says. I want to align my life up with the word of God. So that's what we're going to be doing to the Jews uh, in the end time. We're going to do the best we can to help as many as we can. Uh, Like the runners prior to World War II. We are the runners. We're going to play the role of the runners. The Jewish agency is going to play a role. deborah they're playing the role of the runners now. There are Jews getting persecuted all around the world right now. Some of the nations, Devorah can't tell us where they're at. She's not allowed. But it's so devastating what they're doing there that she'll say, we need help. And we have had faithful partners over the years that have given to that. We've given uh, a lot of money um, to get these Jews out here because God told Abraham, I'll bless them that bless you and I'll curse them that curse you. And you know what? I believe the Bible. And we live by that, and so and God has always helped us along the way. So, uh, hopefully, it answered your question. Great question, Bill. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, um, next, my good friend Jim Morris uh, from just north of our television studios. You live up in, aren't you, up in Allen McKinney? McKinney, yes. uh, just north of Plano, there and down in Texas. So, um, Jim, what's your question, my friend? So, I know that the seventh trumpet is the rapture. Correct. At the end of the fourth trumpet in Revelation eight, it says the three woes coming. Mm -hmm. which are the fifth, sixth, and seventh trumpet. Yeah. And then when the two witnesses are spoken to, it says, come up here. And then right after that, it says, the second woe has ended, the third woe is coming quickly.
1: Yes. How can the rapture be
0: when the two witnesses go up, if that's part of the second woe? Okay. So if you, when we talk about the end of um Let me go there, and that way I'll bring everybody in on the conversation. Because the Bible says there's three woes, okay? In Revelation 8.13, John said, And I beheld an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth, by reason of the voices of the trumpet of the three angels which are yet to sound. And so that's just after the fourth trumpet, which is Revelation 8.12. Then we jump to, well, we're coming up on a break here, Jim. And so I tell you what, everybody, for those of you that have not been able to join us on an Israel tour, wow, what a time we are having. I would encourage you, if you'd like to go in the very near future, we're going to be going again in October. We've already got people signed up for that. We're going to be going again next spring. There is a potential. We could be going on a Greek island cruise at that point. With the Isle of Patmos and Ephesus, my wife's working on that right now.
2: I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day.
0: everybody. We're with our Israel tour here, and we've had a great question about the three woes. So after Revelation uh, chapter 8 talks about the fourth trumpet, we're in the seven trumpet uh, account of the second coming of Jesus Christ here. You understand there's a skeletal structure of the book of Revelation. The seven seals, the seven trumpets, and the seven vials. We're in the seven trumpet account here, and after, in Revelation 8.13 it talks about and I heard and, and and I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices and the trumpets of the three angels which are yet to sound. That will be trumpet 5, 6, and 7. Then in Revelation nine twelve it says one woe was passed. So the seventh trumpet or the fifth trumpet is the first woe. Then we jump to Revelation eleven fourteen and it says, well, so after that, Immediately in Revelation nine verse thirteen, it goes into the sixth trumpet, and then you come to Revelation chapter ten. The sixth trumpet is the is World War three. Loos the four angels bound in the great river Euphrates, for to kill a third of all of mankind. It's it's World War three. The sixth trumpet there. Revelation verse, um, Revelation chapter nine verse thirteen through twenty one. Then you skip a chapter and you go to Revelation eleven fourteen. And in Revelation 11, um, in Revelation 11, 1 and 2, it talks about John. Measure the temple, but don't measure the outer court because it's trodden down of the Gentiles uh, for 42 months. Uh, measure the temple, but don't measure the outer court. Well, and then he goes into the, two, the account of the two witnesses. And when it gets down to Revelation eleven fourteen, or just prior to that, it says at the end of their ministry that they will be killed laying in the streets for three and a half days, And then after three and a half days, the spirit of life of God entered them, and they stood up on their feet, and great fear fell upon all the people, and a great voice from heaven saying unto them, come up hither, and they ascended up to heaven in a cloud, and in their enemies beheld them. And then the Bible says, and in that same hour, there was a great earthquake. So this is a depiction of the rapture. It all happens at the same time right here, because the seventh trumpet is the second coming of Jesus Christ, and when the rapture occurs. So... The question that Jim asked was, and right in between all of that, the Bible says the second woe is passed. What's the second woe? That's the sixth trumpet war. And behold, the third woe cometh quickly. So the question was, how can this be the rapture? Give me your question specifically again. So the rapture happens, seventh trumpet, which is the third woe. That's correct. After the witnesses go up, the second woe has ended. Okay. So... The fact of the matter is, is that the second War ended back in at the end of the World War Three. Let me tell you how I know that because World War Three occurs and you've got to be able to prove when World War Three occurs because World War Three, I can prove that World War Three has to occur prior to the Great Tribulation. The seventh the seventh trumpet of um, the, se- the seventh trump is the second coming of Jesus Christ and the Battle of Armageddon. So, World War III and the Battle of Armageddon are two separate wars. You've got to be able to prove when World War III happens. (coughs) A lot of people believe that the Great Tribulation could be World War III because one-third of the world's population is going to be destroyed. But once you understand how the Bible is laid out here, in Revelation 9, verse 13-21, that's when the World War III happens, then you, so that's when that ends. That's the end of the second world. A lot of people say, well, because it says Revelation eleven fourteen right here, that's what it ended. However, in Revelation 9, verse um, 13 through 21, it's World War Three, and then you move into Revelation chapter 10, where you see the angel standing in, with one foot on the land, one foot on the sea, and he declares that delay shall be no longer. What's he talking about? He's talking about the beginning of the Great Tribulation, that final three and one half year period. So he announces the beginning of the Great Tribulation, the final three and one half years, and then you move right into 11, where it talks about John, measure the temple, but don't measure the outer court, because it will be trodden down to the Gentiles, trodden down the Gentiles for 42 months, that three and a half year period, and it gives an account of the two witnesses, which uh, their ministry lasts for 1260 days, or for three and one half years. So the announcement comes in 10, and then we start the final three and one half years. The World War III has happened prior to that, Now it can be confusing if you go to Revelation 14 and it says the second woe has passed, behold the third woe has come. Because it it would lead you to believe that the second woe ends right there at the time of the seventh trumpet. But it actually occurred prior to the final three and one half years happening and then uh, the seventh trumpet or the end of the battle of Armageddon happens at the very end. They're two totally separate wars and um so don't be confused by that because the bible does say when they are called up in that same hour is a great is the great earthquake the bible says when god comes back plants his feet upon the mount of olives we talked about it the other day there's going to be a great earthquake that splits all that right there and so that's the exact same earthquake that's being talked about right here and that helps us to know with the timing the rapture and the woes you've got to be able to explain the sixth trumpet war happens prior to the great tribulation help you out jim thank you okay So uh, we're going right to the next one. Give me your name and where you're from, my friend. Hi, I'm Pastor Chris Meehan from Fort Pierce, Florida. I'd like to get your take on what happens to the unsaved and those that take the mark of the beast after the Battle of Armageddon. Okay, so there is an account. So we don't know. There will be humans, mortals, that live into the 1,000-year millennium after the second coming of Jesus Christ. Who that is? I cannot give you. I, I cannot give you a conclusive answer to that, because um, the Bible says in the book of Isaiah that a sinner dying at hundred years old will be considered but a child. So we know that there will be mortal sinners living into that time, but lifespans will be elongated like they were originally. There will be people that live almost the entire one thousand years. There were people that lived six, seven, eight, nine hundred years. Back in the Old Testament, you remember, and so there will be it will be elongated again, and you go kind of into an Armageddon type situation. But who gets to live into the millennial reign? I've really been praying and asking God to help me with this. I don't. I I don't know if I have a conclusive answer or not. But if you go back to Matthew chapter thirteen to the parable of the wheat and the tares, the Bible says that the, at the time of the so what happened is it's a parable. And Jesus is telling him, he said, there's a sower, he went in, he sowed a field, and the field came up with wheat and tares, or let's say weeds that come up amongst it. And the harvesters came in and said, well, didn't you use good seed? I mean, how did you get all these tares in this wheat? And he said, an enemy hath done this, I went in and sowed these tares. And they said, well, do you want us to go in and pull the wheat up, or pull the tares up? And he said, no, wait until the time of the harvest, at the time of the harvest, then we'll go in and we'll gather them both together. It's such a key statement. We're gathering. We're going to gather the wicked and the tear, uh, the wheat and the tares at the same time, at the time of the harvest. The wheat will be put in the storehouse, but the tares will be cast into the fire at that time. At the time of the harvest, Jesus is prophesying. He's he's, he's telling a parable, but he's really prophesying about what's coming. So then on down in Matthew thirteen, it tells the it um gives the interpretation of that parable. What did that mean? He said, well, the Lord is the one that sowed the harvest into the world. And the seed is the word of God. And the um, ta- the the wheat are the saved individuals. The tares are the wicked ones. They're the unsaved individuals. And the Bible says that the reapers are the angels. This is going to be right here at the time of the rapture. It's what it's talking about. And he said the tares would be put in the storehouse the um, unsaved ones would be cast into the fire, into the furnace. Now, I, it's, it's kind of eerie to talk about that because I don't want to see anybody go into a furnace. But I do know that humans will be cast into the lake of fire at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. How do I know that? Because the Bible says in Revelation 19.20 that the Antichrist and the false prophets specifically would be cast into the lake of fire at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. A thousand years prior to when Satan will be cast there, Satan is bound in the bottomless pit. But the Bible says he's cast into the lake of fire, where the Antichrist and the false prophet are, specifically in Revelation chapter twenty, after the one thousand year millennial reign. So there, there will it, it appears there will be people judged at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. So the question is, who gets to live? That then then becomes the question: who gets to live into the one thousand year millennial reign? The, the only thing I can tell you is that there is a precedent in the Old Testament when the Israelites came out of Egyptian bondage. You've all seen Charlton Heston's Ten Commandments. Okay, he brings them out of the the uh, out of Egyptian bondage. They go through the wilderness, and he's going to bring them to the promised land. Okay? And because of their unbelief, their murmuring and complaining, God says, okay, Moses, number one, you smoked the rock when I told you to speak to us, so you're not going in. You're going to get to see it. And i stood where Moses stood to look down across into the promised land. But he said, and only those 19 years old and down will be allowed to go into the promised land. There was an age of accountability where those youngsters were not held accountable for the sins of their parents. And they were allowed to enter in. But those parents died off out in the wilderness. They were never allowed to enter in. Well, now we're coming up to another promised land. And the Bible says that God will come back and he will give his reward to the saints and to the prophets. But he's also, there are other people that are not, Jesus, the same Lord that's coming back, (coughs) prophesied about the wheat and the tares when people will be judged. Is it possible that those people could be cast into the fire at that time? I cannot give you a conclusive answer. I would lean towards yes, but... Can I prove that conclusively? I have not tied all of it in a 100%. I do know the antichrist and a false prophet will. And so it is likely, Jesus also told the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, where he actually was in a an eternal situation where he was, the Bible says he was uh, being consumed with the flames, he was in the torture of the flames. That's why he asked Lazarus to come and please, just have Lazarus. I don't care what shape he's in. He's, he was a beggar. He was nasty and filthy. But having dipped <clears> his, water, dip his finger in a thing of water and just touch my tongue. And Abraham said, no, nope, there's a great gulf between us. We. I can't get to you and you can't get to me. And so it's. I, I, can I give a conclusive answer? Here's all I can say. Be prepared to make the rapture. You don't have to worry about it. <laughs> That's number one. Be ready to go. It is a great question, and I've asked God to help me with that. I think that I think that there be, will be people judged at that point. The Bible also says that there will be a time when God will set all the nations before Him, and He's going to put some on the left and some on the right. Some on the left He'll bring in to be with Him, and the ones on the right that uh, He will cast them into um, into an everlasting flame, uh, where the where the fire is not quenched and the worm dieth not. I don't want to go there. I don't I don't want there to be one tenth of one percent chance that I might go there. And so I'm going to be prepared to go. I'm going to, if the rapture sounds, I'm going. Uh, and I, I want to be ones, one of the ones that's ruling and reigning as kings and priests with the Lord um, right there in the millennial reign. I do not want to be one of the mortals that live in there. That's your right. I've actually had people tell me, well, I'll get ready on the other side. If there's going to be a chance for salvation, I'll get ready on the other side. I've told my father in law about that. And he was like, Dave, he said, it's really a heart condition with most people. If they're not going to get ready on this side, if they want, don't, don't want to align their life up to the Word of God on this side, they won't do it on the other side. It's a heart condition with them. They don't want to serve God. They want to run their own life. I don't want God telling me what to do. I'm going to run my own life. And so he said it's a heart condition. Plus, you would have to say, I'm going to make it through World War III. I'm going to make it through the Great Tribulation. I'm going to make it through the Battle of Armageddon. And then on the other side, perhaps I might decide just to get ready to be to, just to serve the Lord at that point. Well, you're really playing Russian roulette with your soul. There's no way I would do that. I don't care what I have to do. I'm going to make myself ready on this side to meet the Lord. Right. That's number one. So, wow. Um, thank you all very much for being here. We're coming to the end of the program. Man, so many great questions. Uh, and I, I didn't get to everybody. Hopefully, we get to answer all their questions before the end of the tour. But I want to say God bless each and every, every one of you. If you have a chance in the future to go on an Israeli tour with us, I would implore you to do that. It's a once-in-a-life trying trip to many people. And I want to say God bless each and every one of you. Thank you for following us. Thanks you for listening. And if you need a good Bible-believing teaching church, contact myself or Doug Norvell or call 1-800-363-8463. That's 1-800-IN-TIME. God bless each and every one of you. Please remember us in your prayers as we remember you as well.